charges against Trinity Bible Chapel and her elders have been stayed, which is good news for the faithful men and women in Waterloo. Other false religions, however, such as the cult of Molech and Transianity, are both celebrated and legislated by states all over the world, with some shocking and disheartening results. If you can believe it, we are seven weeks away from the four-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve, and the devastating consequences of COVID policies linger, and apparently, they don't want to let go just yet. We have a lot to get through, but as always, we aim to bring you news, culture, and politics from a distinctly Christian, conservative, and Canadian perspective. It's January 23rd. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, and this is Liberty Dispatch News Brief. Greetings and welcome to Liberty Dispatch News Brief, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Our show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you want to help support our podcasting work, please head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. Click on the analysis shows box. You can also donate now by Bitcoin anonymously thanks to our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. You can find our shows on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network or by downloading the Pub TV app. You can catch all of our shows on our Liberty Dispatch feed on all your podcast catchers. You can also reach out to us as always with any questions, comments, or criticisms. Hit us up at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Today we're trying something a little bit new. This will be an audio-only news brief style show where we get you up to speed on all the news of the last week, leaving less stories for us to analyze in depth on our Thursday show. We've been finding a lot of news to cover for one, even two shows. And so we figured we would do a date, we would do a, a weekly news brief on Tuesday, just bringing you up to speed. And then Thursday, we can drill down on a few stories and really give some deeper analysis. So you're going to get the same news, but in a two-byte brownie-sized audio-only episode, allowing, again, for more intentional commentary for our Thursday episode. If you're using MailChimp, HubSpot, or Salesforce for email marketing, CRM, and sales, you probably know they've been canceling Voices of Freedom and Truth. That's why we at Liberty Coalition Canada have switched over and partnered with SalesNexus. SalesNexus is a complete business marketing and sales solution that won't tell you what you should say or believe. Try it yourself at salesnexus.com and get two users for the price of one with our promo code LIBERTY. That's salesnexus.com. Well, let's jump right in. On January 9th, 2024, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom announced that the case against Trinity Bible Chapel has been resolved. Charges against both the church and individual elders have been stayed. Trinity has been ordered to pay $38,800 in fines, and altogether with previous contempt of court charges and court fees, because the state always likes to take more than a share, the civil government in Canada has stolen about $280,000 from Trinity Bible Chapel. It's evil that the church should have to pay any fines at all for obeying Christ, but considering what was being held over their heads, tens of millions of dollars in fines and potential jail time, 
This really is just a drop in the bucket. So reflecting on all of this in his latest blog post, Pastor Jacob Raum had this to say, quote, We learned that many of our lost neighbors are hungry for a true gospel message and a true gospel community. People that have flocked to hear the gospel, we now know we have work to do. Now is the time to build. Now is the time to start schools. Now is the time to plant churches. Now is the time to train pastors. We need to build new institutions. We need to get to work. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, close quote. I believe that this is one of the most significant takeaways from the entire COVID debacle with churches. And that is obedience to Christ is costly and the Lord is no man's debtor. It is always best and most blessed to honor Christ as Lord. Even those churches that were never fined, not even once. Even those pastors who didn't make the news. Even those churches that did not triple in size. The Lord has been faithful to his bride and exceedingly gracious to his under shepherds. Now moving on from a story of one religious group obeying Christ and seeing the fruit of that, let's look at other religious movements, ones that worship false gods and the bitter and rotten fruit of their bloodthirsty idolatry. Now, despite what leftists say about guns being the number one cause of death for children in North America, the actual number one cause of death for not only children, but the leading cause of death, period, worldwide, is infanticide, the murder of preborn babies. In 2023, for the fifth year in a row, Offering babies to Molech accounted for more than 44.6 million murders worldwide. This is the greatest genocide in human history. And it all happens under the cover of darkness without actually seeing it. Just to give you some perspective, Worldometer estimates that in 2023, the total amount of deaths worldwide was more than 60 million. For you math geeks out there, 74% of total worldwide deaths in 2023 was the murder of preborn babies. Our world is bloodthirsty and the bloodlust is insatiable. It's with this backdrop, however, that I'm pleased to say that there is a movement among Christians, especially younger and newlywed ones, to get married earlier, have children earlier, and have more children. This is what it comes down to. Either we believe and obey God's commands to be fruitful, multiply, and deliver offspring arrows into the heart of darkness, or we call God a liar and believe the spirit of the age. Now, speaking of the spirit of the age, in Canada, we have a new federally funded resource for teachers, the quote, trans-affirming toolkit, close quote. This is what the National Post had to say about all of this, quote, the toolkit's stated purpose is to teach teachers about transgender identifying students, but it's nearly 100 pages are dripping with social justice theory, leftist identity politics, and various false claims about biology, history, and sex. Close quote. Remember, the progressives don't care about truth or objective reality. All they care about is narrative crafting. Here is some more from the National Post which is spot on in this story, by the way. Quote, the inaccuracies are glaring. The toolkit tells teachers, for example, that biological sex is determined by seven elements. It asserts that no single element can determine sex on its own. They are external genitalia, 
internal sex organs, gonads, secondary sex characteristics, hormone production, hormone response, and chromosomes. It's a comically false framing of biological sex, close quote. Now, you would hope that first out of the gate speaking against this mad madness would be the church. But what do you do when they soft pedal around these issues, leaning into being winsome and building bridges over honoring the Lord and being true to his word? Well, you get articles like this from TGC Australia where, and this is not the Babylon Bee, they're encouraging straight men to consider singleness out of solidarity with celibate sodomites. In a recent interview, uh, the guest gave three reasons for why normal men should consider not being joined to a wife, which the Bible calls a good thing, and producing children, which the Bible also calls a good thing. First, quote, I believe that being single helps us to understand the sufficiency of Christ and to be undivided in our posture towards him, close quote. Second, quote, Non-Christians might wonder where my hope is placed if it is not in the deeply fulfilling sexual relationships we see on TV. This provides me with a great gospel opportunity, close quote. Third, quote, it is godly and possible because it is scriptural. Both marriage and singleness are great ways for a person to serve Christ. But the cry I hear from celibate gay evangelical Christians is that straight Christians are not quite upholding the standard we apply to them. Sometimes the message from the evangelical church can feel like marriage is great. Get married. Everyone's doing it. Oh, but if you're gay, singleness is good too. I think a good way we can support our brothers and sisters in Christ in this area is to stand in solidarity with them, to reclaim the gift of singleness for the church. It is worth gently pondering in the current cultural climate. Is this a way we can further support our gay brothers and sisters in Christ? Close quote. Any honest reading of the scriptures will reveal that marriage is the norm for people. We've been made to be united to our sexual counterpart in a one flesh union. Singleness, which by the way is a unique and rare spiritual gift, is not some flaky solidarity play. It's for the person who legitimately has no desire to get married, have sex, have children but rather devote their entire beings to serving the Lord. No one is saying that sodomites cannot have sex. What God is saying is that you must turn from your sins, put your evil desires to death, and pursue biblical sexuality the way God has designed it. Now, TGC has gone woke a long time ago, but what I'm about to play for you is from Alistair Begg, Ligonier regular, a solid Scottish pastor. You and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, mm -hmm. which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the I asked the grandmother, "Does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus?" Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? 
Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. They're, you're not going to, your, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and and don't understand that he is a king. Now, with all due respect to Alistair Begg, and I've been thankful for his ministry in the past, the Word of God says the exact opposite of what he just said. And the Apostle Paul completely disagrees with what he's just said. So his claim that in order to be loving and build bridges and not be perceived as judgmental and drive them further away means we need to go to the wedding and bring them a gift is utterly refuted by the Scriptures. So in Ephesians 5... Paul starts off by saying, we need to imitate God. We're beloved children. Walk in love. Christ loved us. He loved us, so we need to love one another. The very next words, pen from the Apostle Paul, after, be loving, imitate God. Christ has loved us. Love one another. Are these words, quote, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 17. We are not to participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. We're not to join with them. We're not to celebrate them. We're to expose them and call people to repent. That awake, O sleeper bit there in Ephesians 5 has often been used to say to men who aren't leading their household, hey, Christian men, Wake up, get out of your slumber. That, that's not what Paul's talking about. What Paul is talking about is that those who reject Christ are spiritually dead. They are in deep spiritual dead slumber. And so rather than joining them in their sins, rather than participating and celebrating 
and bringing a gift, what we're supposed to do is expose the evil deeds and say to them, wake up from your spiritual slumber that you might find life and light in Christ. And this, according to the Apostle Paul, is the most loving thing to do. This is how we respond to the cult of Molech and to the cult of transianity, by exposing the darkness, by calling them to step into the light and not be foolish, but do what pleases the Lord. And I don't think the Lord is pleased if we attend a gay mirage with a gift in celebration of it. Even if we tell the person, you know, I don't like this, right? I don't think that pleases the Lord. Let's wrap up the news with COVID forever, both its lingering effects and its inability to just go away already. This is from the Express in the UK. Quote, last year was the most deadly non-pandemic year for excess deaths since 1945. Research published today by scientists at Oxford University shows that while cancer and dementia fatalities have fallen, deaths from heart and circulatory problems are spiraling. The study shows that there were 595,789 deaths last year, of which 53,000 were considered excess or extra. This is based on a five-year average of deaths before COVID, close quote. Now, I'm no scientist, but I think I have an idea what might be causing that spike in heart disease and deaths. Perhaps an experimental gene therapy injection that has a spike protein that leaves the injection site and is known to migrate over the over to the tissue around the heart? Maybe? Perhaps? Probably. How about this, this wild story from the New York Post? Quote, in a Wuhan-esque study, Chinese scientists are experimenting with a mutant COVID-19 strain that is 100% lethal to humanized mice. The deadly virus, known as GXP2V, attacked the brains of mice that were engineered to reflect genetic makeup similar to people, according to a study shared last week out of Beijing. This underscores the spillover risk of GXP2V into humans and provides a unique model for understanding the pathogenic mechanisms of SARS-CoV-2-related viruses, the authors wrote. All the mice that were infected with the virus died within just eight days, which researchers noted was a surprisingly rapid death rate, close quote. What could possibly go wrong with experiments involving mutant strains of the SARS-CoV-2 virus? Oh, except for everything. Everything could go wrong. Everything could go wrong. But this is the madness. This is the madness of our culture, the madness of our world that this is going on, and I'm sure even as you're listening to this, you probably didn't know that right now they're experimenting on COVID-19 and mutating it, and it's killing humanized mice with a success rate of 100%. But finally, there's a little spot of sunlight breaking through the, crowd, the clouds. We have this story from Rebel News. Quote, the Trudeau liberals acknowledged their COVID jab mandate for the transportation sector was overly aggressive in denying travel to nearly 6 million Canadians by air and train. According to the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, a 2021 in-house memo they obtained contradicts public claims that the mandate followed the recommendations of public health experts. 
For the system to operate efficiently for the majority and handle all the exceptional circumstances, said the memo, a vaccine mandate for the transportation sector, keep exemptions to strict vaccine mandates simple to avoid complexity and costly administrative burden for operators and travelers. Instead, the Department of Transportation conveyed it must act quickly and aggressively, noting the mandate would make Canada unique in the world in terms of strict vaccine mandates for domestic travel. The memo advised the department that unvaccinated Canadians and those who declined to show proof of vaccination would lead to some awkward cases of sympathetic or vulnerable Canadians deny travel. The Public Health Agency of Canada never recommended vaccine mandates, reads the memo. The vast majority of unvaccinated Canadians would not be able to travel, it said. Jennifer Little, Director General of COVID Recovery at Transport Canada, admitted during cross-examination that neither Health Canada nor the Public Health Agency of Canada recommended a mandatory vaccination policy for travel, which later devolved into one of the strongest vaccination mandates for travelers in the world. Dr. Lisa Waddell, a senior epidemiologist and the knowledge synthesis team lead at the Public Health Agency of Canada, is sorry, she also admitted her agency never made the recommendation, close quote. So the spot of sunlight breaking through the the clouds is not the reality that the lawless, unscientific jab mandates for transportation were recommended neither by Health Canada nor the Public Health Agency of Canada. The the spot of light is that this has now come out, right? This could have just remained hidden. They could have said, we based it on science and the entire health establishment backed it up. But the good news is you can't keep the truth hidden forever. The darkness cannot stay darkness forever. Eventually it will come out into the light. It will be exposed And this is good news for us. This is good news for us when darkness and evil are exposed, for us to understand what's going on, to be more aware, to be more educated, and really to be best prepared to deal with what's ahead. Well, there you have it, friends. You're all up to date. And Lord willing, on Thursday, we will examine last week's events at the annual meeting for world supervillains and antichrists. And that is, of course, the WEF meeting in Davos. Remember, the best way to prepare for the days ahead and build for a Christ-exalting future is daily, faithful, costly obedience. Get your heart right with God, that it might be well in your soul with Christ our Savior. Get your house in order as you disciple your kids and fill your house with the joy of the Lord. Get to a good church already and be built up in Christ as you build up that local body. Then engage in the culture with the gospel and the word of God. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.